Hello, and welcome back to the Everyday Trainer Podcast. My name is Meg, and I am a dog trainer. On today's episode, I'm once again joined by Mike Jones. You've been on more podcasts than anybody has been on my podcast, so you're the honorary guest. Mike Jones, Katie, and Froz. So they're all involved in the dog training industry in some way. You know the drill. Grab yourself a tasty drink and meet us back here. Hello, hello. Good evening. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. We Thank- forgot Ivy Sky Jones. Oh, Ivy, the most important. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Give Ivy a little intro. So Ivy Sky is my, my daughter. That's my world here. Nine-year-old little beast. Uh, handles dogs, does a bunch of different things. And yeah, you want to say hi, baby? Go ahead. Hi. <laughs> the cutest podcast voice. That's a tough soft. act to follow now. Great. I know. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, if you watch our Instagram videos with her, like, this, yeah. She's a little badass. Yeah, she's I, I, I'm developing <laughs> a little killer. Good. As you should be. All right. Well, we are in Primal Canine. Uh, we just recorded an episode talking about the fight with Mike and some of his decoys. Now we're joined by some new guests. Katie, go ahead and introduce yourself. Give, give us a little intro, who little, you are. A little intro. My yeah. name is Katie Matthews. I own a company called Socratic Canine, where I focus on teaching dog owners, training the human end of the leash okay. for working with their dogs. I am here because I have developed quite the relationship with that guy right there. The ugly guy at the corner. The, the, the evil powers <laughs> collided. No, I met Mike through social media. One of the great things uh, about that platform is you make connections. And Mike and I teamed up and just started having conversations that turned into a podcast called Drinks and Dogs. Started out as a guest on it. Now we're in season two and I co-host it with Mike. Um, I'm also the commentator for his creation, Canine Street League, new protection sport. I was going to say, I think I have some competition as far as podcast voices go. Who would that be? You, you got it. <laughs> I would say Katie, Katie is the podcast master. He's got that a good podcast master. voice. It's not my first rodeo by any stretch of anyone's imagination. I know. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> All right. So you guys have the podcast drinks and dogs together. What do you talk about on that? What don't we talk about? Everything. A lot of it's just life. You know, we, we started out as the pandemic thing when we were just like all hanging out in our house and just like talking about it, having drinks. And then it, it, it progressed into more of a life-based thing. I would purposely hold off on calling Katie for days so we can just talk about life during the podcast. And it'd be like more of a catch-up session. Yeah. And You're like, that's... save it for the podcast. Well, I think like a lot of it too is that like you know it, it's important for people to hear real life conversations between like two other people like you know like you know with all the ups and downs and all the stuff that we talk about in drinks and dogs, which is really important. Like that's what me and Katie did for a long time, and you know we we save it like we'll we'll be in the green room just being like talking 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 like no shh, shh stop <laughs> stop talking. This would be so good for the podcast. We just stop and do this. Are you guys mostly talking about like business stuff on that podcast? Well, I would say season two, we've, we've shifted. You know, season one was very guest-based. We brought on guests from all over the dog world. That's where I met Frost. Um, met a lot of cool people. Season two is, like Mike said, it's much more conversational. So what are we conversing about? Well, 
we won't talk on the phone so that when we get on the show, we're going to start out with our lives. So it's lifestyle based from two dog trainers who participate in the world of dogs in very different ways. But in those conversations, I mean, season two, we've gotten into some deep personal stuff. And very, I'm very transparent about my own journey through life and things I go through because it's a big part of me working with dog owners. Ooh, tell me, tell me. Um, well, I mean, for one, uh, I'm not doing the name of the show very much justice. The last couple episodes, we're talking about how I'm taking a year off from drinking. Hey, but it's drinks. It does not mean alcoholic drinks. Hey, I say I say tasty drinks every single episode, and I'm not a huge drinker after I've taken like four shots of tequila. But I mean, so the fact that that's the association I made is why I'm not drinking right now. <laughs> I mean, just, we just kind of—I think that just kind of proved itself yeah, organically. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so just talking about what that's like and he'll ask me he's like dude what's up how you been how's working out going you back in jujitsu yet you doing this and uh we will talk about what i'm and what both of us are being successful at uh what is particularly challenging at the current time and why is it challenging how are we overcoming those challenges and then by the end of every episode somehow we can work that into how that can help dog owners how that can help other dog trainers or anyone watching the show at all, is trying to bring it back to how these principles of life are really universal, and it doesn't matter what you have going on. There's certain things that if you work on your mindset, you work on your discipline, you work on your motivation, I don't care who you are, you can get something from that. So that's really what we're touching on. I love that. I think a lot of it, too, is the conversation aspect of it. Because a lot of people don't want to have conversations about some of the hard topics. Like what? Give me an example. I love this I mean, shit. I mean, KD and I, like, we've had conversations about some of our live stuff, like, you know, on, like, literally, like, on, like, Zoom calls and, like, talked about, like, some of the hard stuff that, like, I go through, like, dealing with what I'm dealing with. And, you know, KD has talked about that, too. Like, I mean, we've, we've done two podcasts and one that didn't air because I lost two dogs in, like, one year period. And, you know, dog trainers I have to retrain, like, you know, things of that nature, you know, stuff that's been going on. Like, we've had these hard conversations online. And I, I think a lot of it, too, is because the, the dog training atmosphere is a lot of people think it's, it's all cute and cuddly. You're playing with puppies. You're walking out. But like in real realistic nature, it's you're working every day. You're you're struggling every day. And then that's on the business level, not on the personal level. And then you have to do the personal stuff. And then I mean, we've had go watch drinks and dogs that uh, that can explain a lot of different things. We've had some tough conversations on there and. Do y'all talk about, like, the mental health aspect of it? That's what we've been focused on for the last... Season two has had a lot of that, especially in the context of dog trainers. Yeah. So that's something that I've been focusing on a lot more lately is working with other dog trainers in very specific areas of their business. Yeah. Starting with their life. So it's not about numbers. It's not about coaching them on statistics and data. It's like, okay, dog trainer, what are your hobbies? Oh, oh, yeah. Somebody asked me that yesterday. They're like, well, what do you do for fun? And I was like, <laughs> that's where I start with the dog trainers that I work with. I work 24 seven. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. And I, I, This is the thing that I talk about with a lot of my dog trainers is that dog training becomes a hobby, right? It, it, well, it starts as a hobby. Then it becomes a profession. When it becomes a profession, it becomes a nuisance in a sense. Right. So I always tell people, find something different outside of dog training that you enjoy so like for me it became archery boxing jujitsu i mean i already had boxing and jujitsu and fighting it was always something and i and i would tell all my guys you know it's fun for now it's not going to be fun forever 
Because no matter if you eat filet mignon every single day, even if you eat the hundred dollar wagyu or whatever it is, it eventually loses its value. So you have to find something separate from it. And unfortunately, in dog training, because we take boarding trains, we have dogs every day, we have clients, we have everything. It you know, and again, dogs don't know weekends, dogs don't know vacations. People with dog problems don't know those either. And you have to find small glimpses of relief in those things. So like for me, you know, the running, the excess of running, but I, I don't, I don't, as injured as I am, I do not advise people to run what I run, but if you don't want to be a sissy about things, <laughs> if you don't want to be a sissy about things, go ahead and start running those miles and suffer or lift a bunch of weights or do whatever you're going to do. Um, whereas my daughter, I mean, my, my baby over here, she shoots her archery once a week a bunch of times. Do you like shooting? Hi, <laughs> Scott Jones here. We we talked about uh, this on the previous episode that we recorded about how like you make her do the things and then she gets frustrated and <laughs> doesn't like to do them anymore. My dad did the exact same thing to me. Just so you know, it never changes. <laughs> I, I will. You'll be 30 years old and feel the exact same way. I will say this, and I, I've. I'm blessed with an amazing kid. You know, I, I love my, my kid more than anything. Shoots bows, variety of bows. She shoots, she throws knives, axes, knife fights, boxes. What else do we do? You can drive. She's nine years old, so I'm blessed with her. I don't know how I got off talk about that, but I do have to give a big shout out to my, what baby? Oh, she rides horses. Nice. So I do have to give a big shout out to my baby over here. I love her to death. This is my heart and soul, my world. I have a Sky Jones. So we're talking a little bit about, you know, what it means to actually be a dog trainer and the whole, like, working 24-7 thing. Um, one thing that I talk a lot about um, is, you know, kind of the mental health stuff. I personally have, like, struggled with depression my whole life. And one thing that I would love to hear you guys kind of, you know, touch on is I run a business. I have a team of trainers, you know, like I have a team of people and you have to be that person that is like mentally tough always, right? Because you have a team of people that are leading on you like 24 seven. And it's like some days I just don't want to fucking <laughs> show up. I don't want to be there, but you have to do it anyways. And that's where that like mental toughness comes in. And I kind of have this like speech to myself in my head of like, this is why you're the business owner, right? Is because you're the person who's willing to step up even on days when you don't feel like doing shit even on days when you're fucking tired, even when you haven't had a day off in, you know, months, you have a team of people leaning on you and you've got to get it together. No one cares. You have to do it on your own. Yep. Right. And at the end of the day, you can simplify any process you want. You can put people, I mean, I've had it to the point where I've, you know, I, I've developed a very successful business. Yeah. Um, and it's international or national, whatever we're doing now. You know, everything we're doing. Like we, we, you know, we've developed a very successful business. And and the thing is, like, you have to, you have to understand one thing too is that, like, what are we defining as working every day? What are we defining as sacrificing? What are we doing? What is sacrificing? I don't think it's sacrifice. I think it's in investment into what we're trying to achieve. You want to invest until you can scale your business. And like I've been doing Primal Canine for ten plus years, you know we've done this for a long time. I've been training dogs for twenty plus years for a long time. 
it's you invest a bunch of time into it. You build people up. You scale your business. You put people in positions to do the things you're doing. You do that, and then you go from there. I think a lot of it is we think about it as like, okay, like, I mean, dog trainers right now, every dog trainer wants to get in and be like, oh, I don't want to work that much seven days a week. But in reality, you should work that. I mean, me and Katie have this conversation all the time. If you're not touching the leash, you're not touching thousands of leashes. I mean, what's the number, Katie? What are we saying? Like, when it comes to, like, how many leashes you have to touch before you become a professional? I mean, thousands, tens of thousands in some situations. It's a model that has been being almost phased out yeah. of the apprenticeship model of where you came up and you learned by picking up poop, getting ugly dogs out of kennels that didn't want to come out of kennels, uh, holding leashes, transporting dogs from A to B. You did that for a long time before you even considered taking a penny before you even considered talking yep. your mouth was shut and you just listened and then you evolved well nowadays it, it's different and that's just natural like i'm not going to be one of those well the way it used to be no you know what everything changes and you have to be able to adapt to those changes yeah so what we talk about in the show a lot is looking at these young trainers who are coming out who didn't go through that process but you know what they're out there and they're now business owners and maybe they don't have the experience with the dogs that would, that maybe the old guard would like them to have, but it doesn't matter. They need help too. So rather than turn our backs on them, which I see a lot of in this industry with a lot of gatekeeping and a lot of older heads being very, you know, having like a condemning attitude towards the new young trainers. It's like, uh-huh. that's not going to help anything. If anything, we need to say, listen, I realize you came into this. I want to help you. Yeah. You know, like I want to yes. give you that experience. And that's the thing too, is like, we want to help you, but the way that we want to help you is by saying like, Hey, this is not going to be easy. This is going to be hard. It should be hard and accept it. And you're not, you're not sacrificing, you're investing into your future. We have, to, we have to switch the words of sacrificing, of suffering, and all that stuff into investing into what we're doing, because that's what we're doing. Like, I mean, shit, I'm 39 years old, working dogs like, the whole weekend, like, doing the stuff we're doing. I do that every single day. I'm not sacrificing. I'm not suffering. I'm investing into my clients. I'm investing into my people. I'm investing into my decoys. I'm investing into my company every single time we're doing that. But we've gotten to such a weak point in society where hard work is sacrifice. And hard work is not sacrifice. Hard work is hard work, and that's how you get to where you need to be. People want all this, you know, this weak shit, you know, like right away. Like, and, and it's, it's, it's okay. It, you know, I, I deal with depression as well. I deal with a lot of PTSD. I deal with a lot of, you know, issues from my past life, from the trauma I've, I've had as a child and, you know, even as an adult. I still deal with it. I'm open and honest with it. If anyone follows me on Instagram, they know that I'm like very transparent with it. the reason why I'm transparent with it is so people know like hey you're not alone like hey we're doing this together and you can still do this shit yeah we can you still can go. still wake up every day and fucking hustle I'm, I'm still a goon from Eastside San Jose no parents no nothing running my own company we're here we got people in front of us we got couches on a goddamn fucking artificial <laughs> turf, turf field up. with the logo behind you i got my baby over here started from the bottom there. started from the bottom now we're here so you know it's it's one of those things where like i don't want to be like the debbie downer in the situation where i'm saying like oh like you know it's not like you got to work i mean because it is you have to work hard you have to sacrifice I mean, that's not sacrifice you have to invest into your future by blood sweat and tears well i think it's very easy for people to look at everything that you have right like anytime anytime i talk to a new dog trainer i'm like oh what's like your goal where do you want to be oh well i want a facility and i want a team of trainers and blah 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 and it's like do you 
do you really want that? Because there's about a handful of people who are willing to work hard enough to actually get there. I'll say this. The first of the month for me means about $35,000. What do you mean? As far as what I got to pay for facilities and everything like that. Because I have two. Yeah. Thirty-five. Just facility? Just facility. Just like rent. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want a dog training facility, it's it. First of the month comes, it never, it never ends. And then you got, you got payroll. You got your other bills. So this is where I come in then, as they're dealing with all of the reality of that and understanding the difference between investment and sacrifice. And I'm the little voice who's now saying, so what's your morning routine look like? What do you, what do you eat for breakfast? How yeah. much time are you spending with your family? Because while you're making those massive investments that are non-negotiable to achieve success, what I'm seeing is there isn't enough talk about the mental health, the physical health, the, let's say this is the machine. These are all machines that run businesses. So you're working all this time, which is respectable, which we agree is necessary. Well, if you have all these people that rely on you, as, as you mentioned, you wake up to that, and you know you're that person who has to lead. What are you doing to take care of yourself so that you can continue to make that investment? And that isn't talked about enough. There isn't enough emphasis on the things that you do for yourself to allow you and empower you to run that machine. So when the shit hits the fan, which it will, you Always. have the coping strategies to deal with that. And that coping strategy might come from you do burpees every morning. Why? Because you hate burpees. So you tell yourself, this is what I'm doing right now. I hate burpees. I'll run 13 miles. I hate them. He's a runner. I'm making myself do burpees because I know if I make a promise to myself and I keep it, not through motivation, but through discipline, I'm now building resilience that I will now be able to use when the shit hits the fan in the business. Yeah. So that's you know, when you ask about mental health and how can we help these young trainers, the ones who are willing to do the grind, my thing is keeping the burnout down. Oh, I hit the burnout so hard. So hard this past year. <laughs> so I have to ask why. Like, so I think we all define burnout in a different manner. And like Froz, you're a business owner, so I mean you probably go through the same same yeah. thing, oh, right? Because yeah. you're not necessarily in the dog game, but like. But I mean, you know. same like mental toughness. Like, well, more so. I own two so. academies. Right. So you. Run. So think about it. I got one whole jiu-jitsu and self-defense academy. Um, the other one we just opened is an MMA academy. So talk about almost three different cultures I'm dealing with and just the atmosphere. First of all, think about this. I, whatever I go with personally has to be thrown out when I step on the mats because all these guys are coming in. I am, they're leaving their jobs. They're coming out, you know, they just maybe they had a whole day of work coming in with bad whatever, trying to, they all would think about punching their bosses in the face and they can. <laughs> um, Half of my clients say this all the time. And then I got members that's like, oh, I can't believe I just left the kids in my house, my home. I want to come here. So my attitude, I cannot bring anything that's on me once I step the mat. And I say that to the staff. I have one member with me as one of my black belts. And fortunately, unfortunately, I like him, but I want to choke him out every now and then. Yeah. He has a bad day, and that vibe carries in. And that cloud just kind of grows all over everybody. And I had a one-day lecture. I was like, do you not know how much pain physically and mentally I go through every day? And I step in here and I just, like, blast off a class. 
and get everybody feeling good. And then they go home, and I got to go back and deal with what I got to deal with. Yeah. So, so yeah. what's burnout for you? Honestly, it's not the workload for me. Like, I, I, I'd love to work. Um, it's more so my personal life. And the, the biggest thing in this last year, uh, you know, having Primal Canada and being old is it's, you know, getting, you know, it's been 10 plus years now. Um, it's a lot of it's the personal life. A lot of it is uh, training trainers that eventually just like turn on you. Like Terry Macias, which is one of my, um, I, I love him to death. He's one of my mentors. Uh, and we haven't talked in a while, but he used to tell me when I first started Primal Canyon, when I started bringing people underneath, he's like, Mike, he's like, you're training snakes. Eventually they're going to bite you. Oh, I learned that the hard way. So I, I learned it pretty hard with like family and like a bunch of trainers that I've trained and like even now, but like as much as like, you know, obviously you've been around me for a little bit, Katie, Froz, you've been around me for a little bit. Like I'm kind of, you know, I'm a, I'm a hard ass, but like I'm also a little soft in a sense where I take people in, you know, in, in that You sense. care. Well, because I care about people. Like, yes. I want people to be successful. Yes. Like, I tell my guys, I'm just teaching you cheat codes because I don't want you to have to deal with what I had to deal with. Yeah. You know, it's about improving the culture, improving, you know, better community and all those things, right? So, doing that, you end up getting bit. So, like, that's that's what burns me out. Like, the work, I don't give a shit. I mean, send me. I, I, I tell, I have to joke around all the time. I was like, Aaron takes care of the schedule because it's literally point and shoot. I'm the attack dog. You know, we go I texted on. her before I came out. Yeah, <laughs> like I already know because like I'm coming out here. I'm going to be out here with Mike at Primal for what, like five, six days. I just told him, "Hey, we're finally doing this." Yeah. Don't worry, I'm going to text Aaron. Yeah. And then I text her. Here are my dates because I know she's going to make sure he's available and deal with the schedule because he's got no clue. He's just running. I have an admin person for that. She's like my wifey. Oh man, I, I, <laughs> I, I got to give a big shout out to you know my wife Aaron. She's. She's the best ever. You know, she keeps me in line. But that's for me, it's a burnout. Like, I physically, like, I don't really care. Like, if I'm hurt, it doesn't really matter. I come from a background to where it's not, like, important. You know, yeah. like, you just keep going. Mm -hmm. And I also come from a background where I was really poor. And I am the provider for my whole family. Yeah. So, like, I have to be going. So, like, I don't really think about it in that way. My burnout only comes from a personal level. Like that's where like things burn me out. That's where I have a problem because like that's where like if I, if things are going a little bit rough, then like, and I see people switching up on me, then that's when that affects me. Because you that's take it personal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I that's mean, how it left. Well, because business, you know, everyone says business and personal. To me, business is personal. It if, is. If, I, if you're this in my is house, your whole life. Yeah, I mean, if you're in my house, you meet my child. Anyone who's here. You meet my child. I take that seriously. Absolutely. You're, you see my wife. You see her. Like you around there. Like I, you, you get to meet them. That's personal to me. That's it's not a joke. It's not for everybody. Not everyone gets to see that, and not everything that I do. Like so, like those are personal things to me. So that's where my burnout comes. I because I've, I've dealt with the burnout before, where you're working a bunch of hard. But I switched my mindset in that sense, where like, oh, I'm just working for a weekend. Like there's no fucking weekends in what we're doing. Like they, let's, no. let's just get over. Like everyone needs to get over that fucking fact. Like. There's no working for a fucking weekend when you're dealing with dogs. There's no working for a weekend when you're an entrepreneur. There's no... I was like, about to say that the only business, there's no weekend. I mean, like, right. think about it. Cause every, no I mean, we've, we've glamorified, like, you know, with social media, we glamor like, we've glamorized, like, all this, you know, going on vacations and mm -hmm. doing this shit like that. But in reality, if you look back at, like, what people actually who are millionaires, billionaires do, this thing like that, you know, even, like, like look at Elon Musk. Like, he was sleeping under a desk in Tesla 
when they first got to Silicon Valley and he was working seven days a week. He was one of the wealthiest persons in the world. So if one of the wealthiest persons in the world who's sleeping under a desk, why should we be wanting a weekend off? Right. If we want to be wealthy. I mean, you can always scale it to what you want to do. But like for me, I'm trying to get to the point where my daughter, she can do what the fuck she wants to do for her whole entire life. She wants to go to a specific college, even though, I mean, my daughter's smart as shit. But like, let's say she wasn't. I mean, <laughs> let's say she wasn't. You needed to buy her way in. You want to be able to do that. You want can, that option. I can make it happen. Yeah. Or, you know, my wife wants something or like, you know, future kids, like they want something like. I want generational wealth. I yeah. don't want just to be rich. I want to be wealthy and not rich and you know, wealthy to be wealthy. Be like, oh, I'm wealthy. Like, I want it to be so my family can have a better life and the people around me can have a better life. My trainers can have a better life. Everyone around me can have that. It's about building everybody else up around us. And, yeah. you know, and that's, the, that's what keeps me from the business burnout because I don't really have a burnout with business. I have a burnout. I think my burnout came from like, I scaled my business because of me. And that's one thing that I realized is that like, it's, it was very easy for me to grow my business because I was the one interacting with all the clients and interacting with the trainers and doing everything. But when I tried to like hand off responsibilities to people, that is when shit kind of like hit the fan for me. Let me ask you, what's your why? my why why do i do this so i want to be the source of like help and information that i wish i had when i was struggling with my dog that's like why i do what i do now it's shifted a little bit more like i like taking care of my people like my team and kind of like the culture that you've built like, that's why I respect what you've done so much is because, like, you're not necessarily just doing this for yourself or for your family. Like, you're doing this for the culture of dog training, you know? And a lot of my trainers have worked for previous dog trainers and, you know, they tell me how horrible it was and all of this stuff. And I want to be, like, I want to be that that business owner, that dog trainer that people want to work for that they respect that you know i'm outworking all of my trainers just like you are you know like none of them will ever outwork me i think that's the biggest thing is figuring out why like my why originally started because like oh like when i first started like dog saved my life because i was in a bad yeah I was, I was tumbling out of control and then i was like oh that's my wife and my why became I mean, my daughter my why became my wife my why became everything like that and my why is still my daughter my dog and, and like that but like you said, it's it's about building something better because of the toxic community that we already live in. Yeah. And finding something greater than you because you can't work for you. No. It never, like in any business in general, and I, I don't care if anyone has to disagree with me with this one, you can't work for yourself. There should be no selfish reason as to why you work. You can't work for a vacation. You can't work for a specific, I want to get this car, I want to get this, I want to get that. Because those are self-fulfilling things that happen, then you're empty. Yeah, what happens when you get them? Yeah, what happens? And then you're done. Right. You know, like I, I mean, I, I got my dream car. I got my wife her dream car. I got my dream house. I got my kid in freaking horse school. I'm a kid. Like I said, I'm a dude from the hood. So like, I shouldn't even be alive right now. To be honest, I should. <laughs> it should be gone. So like, I already got all those things. But my why is to provide a better culture, better a better life for my kid when she grows up. It's deeper than any form of material, you know, thing or any form of, you know, self-fulfilling thing. It should be for, like you said, to build a better culture, build a better life. My why is to build a better 
environment and you know push things further and get people out of their fucking you know their head out of their ass for a little bit and stop looking at this all material guidance and shit like that and like go into like the real shit what's your take on that let's hear it he took a deep breath let's hear it podcast voice I mean that element of clarity and understanding the why is something that is not asked enough of new trainers yeah and now that I'm doing more work with dog trainers it's one of my favorite questions to ask because you know lots of times they tell you what they think you want to hear which makes it even more fun Um, (laughs) and and the rest of the time but they're not clear on that they're not clear on it in so many ways so understanding why you're doing what you're doing and a big part of that too that a lot of dog trainers I think struggle I know struggle with because I hear them is you know lots of times they're like what's your why why do you do this well I want to help dogs that's awesome that's great so why don't you do that for free um well I have a family oh okay so your why is you would like to provide a healthy fulfilling functional life for your family by way of sharing a skill set that you have that helps other people and they're like oh yeah i'm like but it's not semantics there are some very key differences there with regards to how you see why you're doing what you're doing and it is to provide a life for your family which means you better learn how to run a business you better learn how to take care of yourself mentally and you know physically these are all the other pieces of that so you can invest in your business which is going to mean seven days a week for a while it's going to mean 18 hour days there's a lot of pieces that are needed for that stuff to take place. And that's what I know I'm talking about a lot more. Mike and I are having those conversations on the podcast. I'm having that conversation with the trainers that I'm working with. I'm talking about it a lot more on my social media now. There's starting to be more of a shift to reach out to those trainers that are new. Or even I've had some trainers who have been in the business for a long time reach out to me. And they're like, yeah, I want to hear a little bit more about that. It's like, all right, man, what are you eating for breakfast? You know, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing with your day? You know, how are you building this machine and taking care of this machine that takes care of this family? Yeah. That takes care of this family of employees. Because yeah. now you're a parent to them, too, yep. to take on that responsibility. And that's one thing for me. Like, I don't, I don't have a significant other. I don't have, you know, kids. Like, it's literally just me and my business and my employees. And for a while, like, when I was, you know, really deep in that like burnout stage i was like i'm done like i just i just want to go back you know to it just being myself and that's it and then i really started to think about it and i'm like that's so lonely you know that's so lonely like what for me to work for myself and like that's it you know like not not changing the lives of these trainers not like i always you know kind of joke that i'm like turning them into like little functioning people um, no, that's, a, that's 100%. I literally tell my guys in Farouk's right here, I'm like, I'm not training you to be a good dog trainer. I'm training you to be a good person. Yes. I can teach you how to train dogs. But, like, if you don't want to be a good person, you can't really do anything with that. That's why I said I say all the time, like, that's what we're doing. And, you know, the I think the adaptation to it is, you know, kind of what you're talking about. Like, you know, what you're getting burned out with the work. It's accepting it. Yeah. I mean, because we always want to, oh, maybe I can't work that much or do this, you know, do this. Be like, you know, I'll do this and, like, put this person in this place so I don't have to do that. Like, do this thing, like, you know, put him in there. 
But in reality, all you're doing as a business owner, because that's what you are, you're the business owner, you're the one that's actually doing things, you're controlling it, even if it's mental, it's still work. And we think that we're displacing work. But in reality, if you understand, like, hey, I'm always going to be working, and you accept it, this is what life is, then you don't have to have that burnout. Like, you know, you just go, like, oh, hey, cool, I got to make my, I'll make my three o'clock in the morning phone call with Coralie, I'll take a nap with my wife, and get up at five, take the dogs out. Cool. This is what my life is. This is what we're doing. Like it's when you have expectation for an end. Yes. When it's not an end, there's, it's just a journey. We're just going, you don't want to have, I mean, this is the thing. Like everyone always wants to work for a weekend or a vacation or like some form of end you know, thing. But like when it's just the journey itself, like, well, I think like the root of all suffering is kind of expectations, right? Yeah, that's why you don't have expectations. That's right. some Dalai Lama stuff right uh, there. I you. think I read that thank Art of you. Happiness book once upon a time. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like there's no, there is no, I, I, and I hate to say it, I don't want to be the pessimistic person on this podcast because I know like where it is. But like, if you're a business owner and you've taken the role of a leader, which we all have, and you know, from for you know, from freaking Frost, you know, KD to Meg to what I'm doing, we're all you know, we've taken the leadership role of what we're doing. We don't, there is no expectation, there is no end. We we have already put the burden on ourselves. I don't even say burden. We've already took the privilege of ourselves of being the leader. It's time to accept it, and it's time to understand that, hey. We can run with the the waves of highs and lows. That's what life is. The burnouts are going to come. They're going to limit here and there. Most of them are going to be mental. And then you just deal with it, go forward, and like that's what it is. There's no there's exception of it. And continue investing in yourself so you can build your resilience to those things. Yeah, See, that's I mean, the, that, but that's the thing that like I'm always going to jump in on you. We'll be like on that about it, but that's also why you get on me too. Like why why do I run? Why do I work all the dogs? Why do I do the things that I do? Like, you know, Meg saw last, you know, yesterday. I mean, well, I don't even know how many dogs I work. I mean, Katie, <laughs> you were crazy. here too. Yeah. Like, crazy. you know, all the dogs. I'd say, you know, the last few days, like, that's why I work all the dogs. So that's what I do. Those are part of the things, investing myself as far as, like, going there. You know, I, I mean, I, like I said before, I have a variety of different uh, things for recovery. <laughs> so you, you do that for yourself. Now, not everyone listening know, would know that. So that's why I'm going to interrupt you yeah. so that you can remind people that while you're talking about accepting this journey and accepting this this way of life, they need to know that they also have to make time for those things that I know because you and I know each other yeah. so well that you do take time, as I tease you about the running, um, from the, the combat sports, from your archery hobbies, from all that oh, time yeah. you spend with your daughter. Like you take over that time to invest in yourself so you can continue to do all of this work journey. And I think people need to talk more about how to do that stuff. I need you to so talk that, to me oh, about how to do that like, Follow so me on me. Instagram. Shoot me a DM. We'll slide in those so, DMs. We'll work it out. So, like, for me, like, my why is, you know, the two ladies that are, you know, well, Ivy's right there and then, you know, Aaron's up there. You know, that's a lot of my why you know, it, it, it is very much my why. Like, also, my guys in front of me, like, things like that. Like, seeing them succeed and doing those things. But, like, you know, we'll take time for archery. We'll take time for boxing. I'll do jujitsu. I'll do running. I'll do those things. Like, but it, I will say this. I also sleep an abnormally less amount of time. Yeah. That most people do. Yeah. So, I, 
I won't ever expect anyone to do what I do, but I do take that time where I'll run half a marathon in the morning, I'll make my baby breakfast, I'll cook her, her lunch, get her ready to go, we'll shoot, we'll box, we'll do those things, I'll work the dogs, I'll do those things, but like my self-fulfillment comes with making sure that the people around me are are succeeding. Yeah. That's where I feel self-fulfilled. That's where like I can have, I can re-energize my body so I can go and do it again, do it again, do it again. If I see yesterday, I, was, I got the shit whooped out of me as you guys saw, you know, doing that, like but seeing people happy and seeing people ready to go, let me sleep four hours and be like, fuck it, let's go do it again, again. Honestly, being here has been really validating because sometimes I will sleep like 20 hours a week. And people yeah. are like, you're crazy. And I'm like, oh, am I? Is there something wrong well, if with people, me? <laughs> if, people tell me? If people tell you you're crazy, you're on the right path. Perfect. Perfect. I don't, I don't believe. I do, I, I, and Katie, Katie will 100% disagree with me on this. Katie will 100% because this is my brother. And like, He's I, like. I, no, we will 100% disagree on this. I believe this. If people think you're crazy, you're on the fucking right path. If you're complacent and fucking I need eight hours nine hours of sleep and you want this fucking amazing goal and you're not even remotely close to it why the fuck are you sleeping Mike Tyson said it perfectly how am I I sleep three hours a day if I'm trying to take over the world how am I going to sleep I know he doesn't sleep because I call you because <laughs> I live in Florida So we got this lovely three-hour time difference. And my phone will ring sometimes at 6.30 in the morning or 7.30 in the morning. Florida time. (laughs) And and I've come to now, like, expect that's when Mike and I are going to have our time. And that's what it is. I mean, we'll talk, you know, we'll we'll hit on some things with the business and things that we're working on. But usually those morning calls are the, he's just checking up on you, bro. What's going on? And we talk almost exclusively about personal stuff. And that's like anywhere between 5 a.m., 4.45. 3 o'clock. Three, I mean, I, and I hear him more. He's, dogs are coming in and out of crates, or I hear things clanking, and Mike's up out there in the West Coast early. Hey, it's like I said, how you can sleep when you try to take over the world. It's good to know that I'm not alone. <laughs> no, I mean, that, and that's the whole point of this stuff, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, I think people feel weird about being up or, like, having these, like, weird work schedules but in the reality of the situation like i mean frauds too like you mean think about this way like you work a bunch you have Mm -hmm. two different fucking uh places like you're building different things yeah (laughs) hold your microphone (laughs) he just sets his microphone down uh yeah i mean if you've got like i got two academies but i still got all the investments going on so basically hey are you are you invested in that chicken wing spot because every time you put that story up i'm like god i need i need that oh did no that was my brother's but we had to close that down do after covid that thing looks so good too yeah that that actually came actually from here really yep it was actually our partners our business partners are from california and that was their deal they opened it up in coachella Oh. That's all the chicken wing thing popped up, and they came dinner. up with these waffle cones and fried wings. I will say this: if you did not follow Faraz before now, <laughs> if you look back, like someone like the stuff with what was the name of the kitchen? It was uh, either way. That shit like, looked amazing. No, it was good. It was good. We had, we had a concept because it was waffle cones, and we had a bar. 
and we had chicken wings. This was in Kansas City? Yep. Yeah, it they was in Kansas City, the, Westport. Uh, the, the teaching portion of how do you speak into the mic. I know, I didn't yeah. I didn't give you your microphone lecture before we started this. No, I didn't. He did better than Neil. Neil's hand is moving all over the place. <laughs> and I'm sitting back there just laughing as I see the hand in the mic. I know. So, yeah. Know. We had that during there, and then I was the security guy during that time. Because after COVID opened up, People just went buck wild. But after that, we just started, we're not worth it to keep it anymore. Yeah. So, but the other investment I got, I've been running actually, it's more in freight and trucking. Basically, I put money in and what opened our eyes as gym owners is like, I need to figure out another way because anytime government shuts down, you never know what's next. But I, I don't know if you guys know this too, but uh, he's also in wrestling. <laughs> Like professional wrestling. I just saw that lately. What do you mean? Froz is like WWF, like wrestling. Yeah, I got a team. We we go by the tribe. tribe. A bunch of, I got an eye hoodie. My son is in it. Actually, it's a, a company called Central States Wrestling. I don't know if anybody familiar with back in the day, um, King Harley Race from Missouri. That's the league that he has. And we just kind of kept that name going and... We one day getting around to actually, Hoodie is one of my students, he's my big Samoan. And one day we're just kind of shooting the shit. And he was just telling me, he's like, Coach, you like pro wrestling, do you? I was like, yeah. I was like, let's just try this. We put our faces, all three of us, me, him, and his brother, Anaya, and suddenly we got legions of kids that like us. We're supposed to be bad guys, now we're good guys. I love that. <laughs> my first night of the business, I got hit with a kendo stick, I got dropped on a bed of thumbtacks. <laughs> Yeah, that's how and, it broke in. And his son is now. Is, is, uh, oh, yeah. Adam is in. Isn't it? Adam yep. is a professional wrestler. Yep, Adam is a pro wrestler. He's been training. And actually, you know, Adam started training as a kid with me in jujitsu and Muay Thai. So that's what Adam has been doing. He's 19 years old, six foot now, and just makes me look like a midget. But he's in it right now. He's in it. And I'm still tugging with my academy. So I'm juggling a lot of stuff. <laughs> So how do you, you, you're given the, you're giving us the lecture of like taking care of ourselves to be able to like take care of our business, which like, <laughs> we're going to have to have a conversation after <laughs> this podcast about that. Cause I'm the worst, but with all that you've got going on, like what are the ways that you, you know, take care of yourself to be able to run yes, all How of do this you shit? take care of yeah. yourself? Right? Yeah. Just looking at me. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I don't have like a formula to this. I just keep going. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I just learned from living overseas, to be honest, actually. Okay. Different than here. And I've just learned one thing, you know, coming from the Middle East and living in countries like in Brazil and all that, you just get to really appreciate that I got a roof over my head. I'm breathing. Every day I look at my son and I'm just happy how he's growing up. I, I raised my kid on my own since he was a baby. And to be honest with you, I literally just keep going forward. I mean, if anybody knows, my students know one thing I say. I say, I am like a train. I don't go backwards. I will take stops to load either new people on this journey or deload some off people. And sometimes, every now and then, that stop will stop again, and some of these former faces will ride on this train. But this train does not stop. They'll get off, but we yep. keep going. And honestly, that that that's that's how I am with it. People and, you know, are supposed I, to get off the train at some point. That's a, a big myth that you're going to have the exact same people with. It's healthy. No, no. It is healthy for people to get off that train. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. I, I don't have a, the same faces on my journey. I think no. that's the almost like perfect analogy of what it is to be a, like an entrepreneur in any any form of sense. Is like 
you're obviously the conductor. You're going forward. You're continuously yep. going forward. But I also believe there's one thing that comes with it, um, being a successful entrepreneur. It's coming from the bottom. Yes. I don't want to say, like, you have to come from the bottom to be successful because that's obviously been disproven. But, like, when you come from something to where you have nothing, absolutely nothing, and you're starving and you're, like, you don't know how the how you're going to go through. You have no one to go to. Like, you're, you are your own backup plan. If you don't make it, it's on you. That's not even an option. It's not even. Like you, That's you, not you even ha- an option. You, you have to go forward. The train has to move forward, yep. right? You have to go. Whoever hops on that train with you, cool. We're gonna keep going. If we, need to make, if we need to make a stop and you need to get the fuck out, boom, I'll boot you out. Like, let's go. Let's get the. We, but the train needs to keep going forward, right? And it, it sounds weird, but like starting at a disadvantage or standing at the bottom actually it's an advantage because you already know what that feels like so why stay there you have nothing to lose too well that's like you know when i when you guys saw as we did like the decoy stuff right saying i was like what what's the purpose of stopping like why it already sucks why are we stopping so you can sit there and suck more or you can keep moving and suck while it happens embrace that shit if it fucking sucks right now embrace that shit you know i will share a story I experienced myself to what you're saying. So back in, I would say, late 2011 going into 2012, I was making so much money during that time, but, you know, doing bodyguarding and teaching. And I, I didn't own my academy at that time and uh, had my son and I was married to um, um, a lady from Brazil. Long story short, suddenly she left me. I lost my job at this academy that literally, I think I got them up to 300 and some students. Just got fired. Got into it with the guy and I just didn't feel my worth coming in and just canned me. And here I see myself, the superstar frauds, like nothing. Nobody cared. Uh, I got a couple of few students that called me and were in shock about it. And I'm just sitting here looking at my kid and looking at myself. Then my other job, I was working at a hospital because I was running um, uh, in a working mental health field and dealing with some kids, lost that job. So like one month of consistency is bad news. At that time, my master, his name is Leonardo Pisani, looked at me, he's like, I'm gonna go to Brazil. Do you wanna come with me? Look at him, I was like, and do what? He's like, what are you doing here? He's like, you lived there before. He's like, come with me, bring Adam with you, come. Adam was about eight years old. Here I am taking my kid, go to Rio de Janeiro and live in the favelas in Villa de Pina. With Leo, his wife, his in-laws, his aunt, and all the kids in there. Feeling bad and sorry for myself the first week, just sitting there, kind of looking at myself, locking myself in the room like a dumbass, just like trying to still absorb what's going on. He knocks on my door, he's like, you're not gonna come out? I'm like, yeah, I need to. <laughs> so he drags me and I'm sitting here and just watching everybody. Just the idea of watching a family of maybe 10 sharing a meal together. And they're doing their best to make me feel as a guest. Gave me a whole room. One of the aunts left her room, I found out, just to sleep with other kids so I can have a room with my son. So that started sinking in and just watching my kid playing with the kids in the streets and he was just happy. Like living this big ass home in Kansas City. We had like five bedrooms, big ass basement, huge yard, tree house. Here's my kid running around in just shorts and flip flops and messed up knees and running around all in the streets and happy. During that time, I am walking with him from academy to academy and training just with them. And all I was just been training and just going home, training and going home. And then I looked at him and I said, so what are we doing? And he looked at me and he's like, what do you want to do? He said, do you remember you looked at me and said, you want to be a world champion in Brazil? 
So yeah. So there's a tournament coming up. Three month, the national championship of Rio. We'll see what you can do. Time comes, I go to that tournament with still every anger and defeat I have in my body of everything going on and cut off completely. Social media, everything. Nobody knows where the fuck what's going on with me. It's a little bit, it's a beast. Walk in the tournament, first round. Dude shoots at me, grab me, bust my knee, which ended up tearing up my ACL, MCL at the same time. Crushed, oh, yeah. Ugh. Guess what? I looked at He looked at me, and he was like, don't fucking limp, because if they find out you're injured, you're out. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to stop. I had so much determination in me that time because of everything that I went through. I won that tournament and became the national champion in Rio de Janeiro. Fuck yeah. So during that time, came back, feeling on top of the world with my kid. Coming back to the States, I already have that, that part in me. It's like, you know what? I've done this. And I was due for surgery, everything. Called up all my old students. My master came back with me. Go open with him a gym in Lawrence, Lawrence, okay. Kansas, on the okay. highway by a trucker's strip club. I love it. That has a buffet. <laughs> There's literally nothing in Lawrence. <laughs> you know what I'm it is. I'm not going to yeah. comment about the buffets and strip clubs. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. With three students, five months later, we moved downtown Kansas City. Warriors Academy gets born. That's where I opened my gym. And here I am. Everyone's like literally lost everything. And just that determination pushed me. I mean, that's what it is, man. I think, I think like, I think a lot of people get lucky in certain aspects of things. But like the only people that stay steady and keep going and growing and growing are people to hit the bottom, learn how to deal with that, and go from there and embrace it. I mean, it, it sounds corny as hell, but like you have to embrace the suck. Oh, I like almost love rock bottom. Because you're like, it only gets better from here. Well, I mean, like, thinking about this way, like, if you're, if you're at the, I mean, like. You gotta, you gotta have that mindset. I mean, 19 years ago, I was in a cell 23 and 1, which mm-hmm. means 23 hours in a cell with 4 by 6 light, which was thing that wasn't even, was, wasn't even a thing. You saw no light. I was in 23 and 1. I got, you're kind of scary. Just a little bit. Uh, but like you know, you're, I was in there for months, and then I got diesel treatment, which so they moved me around a bunch of times. So like I was in like a certain thing, but now I'm here. What I'm saying is like I think we take for granted what life is, and that's why I run my uh, certifications. What I do is like, I feel like we take for granted what life is, what the human physical capability, the mental physical capability of what it is. I mean, because like you're like it's it, yeah. We, we can make fucking life easy. We can make life fucking easy. Life is easy as fuck now because with all the social media and apps. But like actual real problems. At one point in time, like in my life, and now we're here. Like why are a fucking big ass light? I got you yeah, I three here with me. I got a whole bunch of people in front of me. At one point in my life, I was facing life in prison. Okay, this is so important because I I like talk to all of these business business owners and one thing that i notice is there's a huge difference between um people who are hung up on like everything being perfect before they take action eh. versus the people who are like yeah just fucking do it you know you were just me and we're just had this conversation for yeah. the last two days yeah Katie and will tell you. i used to be like that too like i used to be the person that was like everything needs to look perfect and be planned and blah 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 and then you just never do anything and so i had to get into the mindset of like 
well, I'm just going to do it and it's not going to be perfect and that's okay, but I'm going to learn along the way and at least I'm fucking doing it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. Paralysis <laughs> by analysis, it freezes people and you can't evolve a process that isn't in action. You can sit and think about it. You can plan it all out. But guess what? No matter how perfect you think it is, once it is activated, you're going to find out it's not perfect and you're going to find out yeah, it never was going to be perfect. Yeah, and you're going to realize that there's like a million other steps. How much time to, did you spend staring at it when you should have taken that time? Just the first yep. step and then the next one will yep. appear. Yep. I mean, what is that trial by error? When they say, literally, and it's almost like, so how you think this goes? And it's like, well, <laughs> let's just go and see. And everything he kind of planned, it went through. I mean, you just got to run it. And the reality is like, an idea is great. It's fine. Have the idea, but process it and like go through it and just do it. And they, a lot of people like they can overanalyze the situation. I mean, like think about this way. Look at the fight. Uh-huh. This has never been done before in a commercial value. Never been done before. Right. I'll speak With, from even self-defense industry. I've been doing it for 22 years. I mean, if you think this about it, the combination. I've never if you been think done. about it, we've had Leopoldo, Gustavo, Lucas, uh, Carlos, uh, Yasmin, Faraz, you know, we, myself, every single person that involved in this is a high level jujitsu person and if had combative sports. And even like, even thinking about my assistant coaches, Neil is freaking, he's a black belt in jujitsu. We have freaking Corley who has been in military law enforcement. Like, there's a bunch of people like who actually have combative experience and understand these things. Like, they, like real people. Not a bunch of people who have played jujitsu a little bit, who have done it, their blue belts or purple belts, and like, yeah, right, right, like deal with this with that. Like, actually, people who have actually done things and, like, you know, have like gone out and, like, teach things, like, in real life scenarios. And we have real dogs that we've developed the scenarios over. And, like, you know, it's, 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 you know, these are real, these are real life things. And I kind of forgot what we're talking about, but, you know. <laughs> Well, don't you think that a bunch of people could sit around and be like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And, you know, like talk about it in concept. But like it's such a small percentage of people who actually do it. That's why you just got to fucking go. If you have an idea, just fucking go. If you fail, great. Learn from your mistakes. So a, a big piece there is not being emotionally attached to what you're doing. Yeah. So and this is something. I'm emotionally attached to everything, Katie. So me and you're but we have the best conversations after trials. What do we do after trials? We oh, sit after, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After trials over, I go through, and he already knows because he knows this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rip it apart. Oh yeah, I tell I'm going to find time. every little thing that I see that could be better for next time, and we sit and we talk about it. And guess what? It's a good conversation. And everything I bring to him, we both look at it with excitement. Because we're looking at each thing as an opportunity to improve, an opportunity. It's not a, oh, no, we did this. I think that's where the emotional attachment comes into play, though, because we're both emotionally attached to it. But we're also understanding and not being stupid about it and being egotistical about it. We're attached to the success. Exactly. Not to the implementation of each little thing. Yes, sir. Those things are all just cogs in a wheel and if this one isn't running right cool we'll switch it out with a different one but we have those conversations and it's there's no 
There's no negativity. There's no anything. It's, oh, let's look at this. And what about this? And here's a possible solution. I think the that's attach rate is to the success. Is that what you mean? Not emotionally attached? I, I'm trying to figure it well, out. I, when think, you... I think the, what we're talking about, and like what Kitty was saying too, is like for us, like we have an emotional attachment to the success of the business, right? Yes. People say that business is not personal. Oh, uh, no, it's... Business is a hundred percent fucking personal. personal, and I don't give a fuck if anyone tells me that's not like because if it's not personal to me, that means you're not willing to die for your business. I wake up every single morning ready to die for what I'm doing. They're bitches if they keep saying this. I this like hundred percent. I wake up every single fucking morning, three o'clock in the morning. I do the same fucking thing, and I sit there and I make my calls. I do the same time because I'm ready to go, and I don't give a shit what time what happens because I know what my why is. I think like what you're what you described is pretty much what most people go through. But I feel like that should be something that's described more to people so they understand that there's no easy way out. Like, you went, you went through the struggle bus. You got through the struggle bus. You built yourself. You, and I continue to go through the struggle you, bus. You drove. Like, I continue to, you know, question And I will shit. say this on the podcast. You drove from Florida to here. What you described is, like, the perfect dog trainer life. It is, it is kind of what it is. And I... I I was describing this to uh, Veronica, uh, who was me, the one of the crazy people on Waver. Yeah, I was like, because she's like, you know, she's in Stanford or whatever. Right? <laughs> I was like, I was like, you're not going to finish your school. You're probably going to end up training with us, type of a thing. Oh, I was giving her this lecture yesterday. Yeah. I was like, so you're going to be a dog trainer? Yeah. She's like, I'm still in school. I'm like, mm-hmm. So was I, bitch. I mean, you think about it this way, like my wife, my wife's a psychologist. Like she's she's there. Educated. All the regalia. Yeah, like, and she's vastly smarter than I am because I'm just fucking dumb as a jug of rocks. So like, you know, we're there, but like, you know, she runs the company. Like when I when I go out and do these things, she runs the whole thing. So you know that stuff. Like, but like, you know, and, and I I feel like people think this is a downgrade. It's not a downgrade. I feel like what we do. And what we're doing right now is an upgrade. Because, I mean, like, if you think about Scholastic... Wait, what's a downgrade? Being a dog trainer? Being yeah. a dumb dog trainer? Yeah, I feel, like people, <laughs> I feel like people think that's a downgrade, right? Yeah. No, but, like, not very many people can run successful well, about, businesses. I mean, think about this way. Like, as a dog trainer, you're not a dog trainer. You talk to people. You help people out. You get people through things. You're not necessarily a dog trainer. You're you're a psychologist. You're a therapist. You do all these things. You help people through these problems. I mean, half of my 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 reviews are like, Mike, save this, da 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 da, all stuff like that. So you're not a dog trainer. You're a people trainer. You help people through all these other problems. You help people elevate their lives. Think about the apprentices you have. You help people develop. I mean, my apprentices, all my apprentices, even though I'm not good with them, like a lot of people love them anymore, they're all successful in what they do, which I love because they became a better person. So we're not necessarily doing that. Like, you know, you and my, my, my wife, she can freaking have her own practice, but she's helping people become better as, you know, as people just through a different venue. So a dog trainer, people look at it as a lower level, where in reality, a dog trainer is a higher level. You know, if you even think about it this way, like when we talk about jiu-jitsu, we talk about like, you know, what uh, Coach Frost does. You don't know the, the effect that what you teach them 100%. in that one thing helps them elevate their life. And this is how you, I don't know how we got here, but how you push them up and like you constantly do that stuff. So I mean like being a dog trainer, being a coach, being these things, like I think the negative thought process of like, oh, you're a dog trainer, this is like a, it's, it's a negative thing where in reality, I mean, fuck man, like we, I think we've done more help being primal canine as a 
quote unquote dog trainer than most therapists or well I, I honestly look at you guys I don't know it just right now hit me that word doctor maybe because I know you guys but I see you guys as coaches of everything you do from the way KD talks on his social media says I don't look down at him because he's a dog trainer or I'm better than him because I know combat like there's like we have this equal eye to eye we look at each other but I was like you guys have opened my eyes and I call it my martial arts nerd brain which I keep bugging them about it when I saw seeing the dogs how they are a self-protection my point about that is nobody talks about it like that but I got involved in the culture look but then when I watch him then when I hear him how he talks to his crew it's not just about the dog yes he is quote-unquote doctor but it's almost like a life coach yeah I mean look at the community that you're talking about you you kept talking about in the past park I can't believe this community you brought together I can't yeah this is not a dog trainer way of life I mean that's what they label it this is what coaching is this is what coaches do this is that's why I call in my academy I'm known for the word I use tribe this is their tribe this is the pack yeah. I mean, look at that the dog is just a catalyst <laughs> the dog is just the, it's just the common piece that we use to connect yes the commonality between depending on how we look at what we do because I agree with everything that just said and Mike and we talk about this on on our show all the time is there are many things that people will do for in the name of their dog that they won't for themselves so you know uh-huh. what they come to us with a dog and it's they, not about the dog that's not about the dog the dog is just going to be the the tool that we use as teachers to end up helping that person because you can't become better with your dog without being better with yourself my background um throughout my undergrad and grad i was a personal trainer and i tell people i have the exact same job only there's a dog in between now the exact same job coaching sure. people that's a good way to put it yeah so you guys are coaches yeah we're not dog trainers we're we're people trainers yeah, yeah. i mean it, when you said people look at a downgrade the word dog trainer like they just think you're just walking dogs is that in that in the com i mean look at me they'll come to me and it's like I oh think you do karate and that's the first thing i want to punch him in the face i'm sorry like, <laughs> like i yep. just anytime i just sit there and i'm like no let me show you i legitly teach people how to kick you in the balls and crush it in that pubic bone <laughs> like i will get that detail and they're like what the fuck's wrong with this guy it's not well, i the, think there's no the like same but it's the same <laughs> <laughs> there's like no there's no barrier to entry you know no. with dog training and i think that's where that comes from is it's like you don't need anything really to be a dog trainer but well, there's I, no governing source right but i think like genuinely same with martial arts i think dog training is one of the most difficult industries to last in i would 100% agree with it but it's also one of the easiest ones because people are stupid oh it's very easy to be successful if you if you have the right mentality you know? I think it's it's more based on if you that right mentality mentality in the sense of if you're willing to appeal to the general public whether it works or not. I mean if you look at positive reinforcement it's the easy I just saw Katie side. So I just think about this way. So I'm waiting for his we can, and I'm a, I'm a load him up right now so yeah. I'm ready. I just put the I'm a, I'm a load you him up. I put the right mic now. down. We're about to hear go. this. We're about to go you don't right want now. The- purely positive community coming for you? No, is that I mean, what this let's, is? let's run them. So, <laughs> think about this way. And, and I'll say this because I'm going to locate you up. 
everybody anamorphosizes or humanizes what they want out of their dog, right? Like, everyone wants, like, oh, my dog can just lay on the couch and, and, and uh-huh. get free food, do all this stuff like that. We forget about why we, how dogs became dogs. If we don't remember how dogs became dogs, you know, you know, we create them to be biddable. We have them work for meals. We had to do all these other things, like this whole other tribal thing that we've done with dogs. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, we're like, Ta-da, free everything. Let's get fucking doodles. Live and, in an apartment. Yeah, like do all this stuff where we're not necessarily giving them structure. And then we wonder why. And then we want to go back to positive reinforcement. So I'm going to leave this vastly open in what I'm going to say because I know Katie is just tingling right now. Why? He has like Katie. daily. Sorry, kind of, I was just going to say he's gonna, he has daily explosions on Instagram about this stuff. Katie. So I'm going to put the mic down. About Stella. purely positive. Stella. <laughs> Stella. 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 <laughs> I am so glad that I am six months sober. <laughs> and I am so glad that have- I have not taken any of that tequila that has been tempting me, especially since about 45 seconds ago when Mike opened his door and I'm just like... <laughs> um, you know, to, to, to just backtrack a little bit to how he got onto that, you know, yeah, there's no barrier to entry. And you can come into this field and be incredibly lucrative, financially successful. I'm choosing those words very carefully because there's a lot more to, you know, success is almost subjective. Like what makes you successful? Is it a dollar amount? Is it your net revenue? Is it your family life? Is it how you feel? And one of the things that's an ongoing and an increasing struggle maybe, or something, a, a cloud is you're in a market, you're in an industry where you have ethics you know you're you're in it for what's best for the animal and unfortunately we live in a cultural climate where what's best for the animal doesn't really matter and it isn't popular and tell the public on social media and whatever what they want to hear and be rich like that's an easy path but it's it's empty there's no scruples there there's you mean no like ethics. the force free stuff like much of the force free stuff you can stuff. be like here you should reward here do this i mean shit we do that with fucking the canine university sometimes where like they'll tell me like hey don't talk about the correction here like do this like that like i'm like okay no i'm not gonna not do that like i'm gonna do this yeah. so like you know that's kind of what you're talking about right? but that's the most ethical thing like to tell a dog no yeah you have to, to. give them everything to they them need to be successful and, in life yeah like i always tell world. people i would love to drive 150 down the highway but I fucking don't because I don't want a fat ticket. Well, I definitely will not drive anywhere in a car with you now because that's scary <laughs> as shit. 150. Fuck that. Brother, just wait till you go back to my homeland. No. <laughs> Speed limits don't exist, even though there is, but it's Okay, scary. so there's this, like, uh, idea of, like, okay, well, what's what's ethically, like, best for the dog and what you're willing to, like, you know, put out there can be different things. Yeah, I've dealt with um, a lot of decisions and dilemmas that I've had to make in my own social media content. So I mm-hmm. do not post tutorials. I don't do a lot of here. This is how you're going to do this with a dog. Even though I've had consultants, I've had other people who are very successful in social media say, you need to do more of that. Well, I won't do that because. I can't control how someone is going to possibly take that information and maybe misapply it or misdo it. Now, I know I'd get more hits if I said, here's a tip and trick on how to stop leash pulling. Well, yeah, it'll get a lot of hits. But what if that information is misused? What if that, you know, and this is just a personal thing for me and how I 
put my content out. So I shift my content differently. Does it mean I miss out on a lot of views? Wait, how do you shift your content? I do a lot more thought provocation. Okay. So what I do, when I use my Instagram stories to get people thinking, not teaching them how to train their dog. When you're talking about like, you know, the tips and tricks, it's like, get your dog waking for their food. Like that sort of shit. Instead of being like, oh, pop your dog on a leash when they're being an ass. I'm not giving them methods and dog training instructionals in 90 seconds of one way directional communication. Okay. Even though I know it could get me more hits. It could get me more of this. And, and the only relevance that example has is that every single person who gets into this field is going to have to face those questions. They're going to have to identify what their personal morals are, what are their ethics in dog training, what are their beliefs, and how are they going to balance what's best for the dog with what's best for their business and what's best for the success of that business if they're feeding a family and everything else we've talked about in this previous hour. That is a journey everyone is going to have to face and many new trainers are facing it alone. And they have no one to help them make those decisions or even not to make the decisions for them, but to say, well, let's have this conversation so you can make your own decision, but with all the information. That is a struggle that many are facing. And especially when you have a market out there that doesn't like a lot of the things that they need to learn to help their dogs. Oh, I'm like the most hated person on TikTok right now. I would even say not even (laughs) like, but will actually attack you. Yeah. Oh, they're terrible. Oh, I get death threats. I get... Uh, I mean, people coming up with my address. And why DMV. are you hater on TikTok? Because I talk about what I do with dogs. For li- literally, li- I got attacked Dude. for talking about like. No, I'm, only I'm, I'm not. I'm dogs. not being sarcastic. No, no, I'm no, just no, saying, I know, like, I what know. is he it that? Know, so like, sit down, buddy. <laughs> just get ready. No. Okay. So like, I made a video talking about getting your dog working for their food. Okay. I got blasted. Every purely positive person on the internet like stitched my video reposted it talked about how like you're starving your dog like that's not positive reinforcement like how who would you ever like going off on me i was all over the internet for this for literally just talking about like hey don't feed your dog except for training sessions like that's what we're all doing so i talk about like what we're all doing i talk about you know correcting reactivity you know, but like people don't. And I get messages from people who are like, thank you so much for talking about this. I would never, because I see all the hate that you get. And like, I don't know how you do it. And I'm like, I don't read my comments. <laughs> That's how I can do it, you know? But like, I feel like it's my responsibility to share that because like, I wish that I had that when I was struggling with my dog, because that's what I needed. I needed somebody, like I did all the force-free stuff, I did all the positive reinforcement in the world, but my dog was still an ass and would run away. And like, it was truly life or death for us. And so when I, you know, like actually learned how to train, I was like, damn, why is nobody talking about that? And then I learned very quickly, like, oh, the internet will will come for you. So beyond the negative part, do you get positive uh, feedback from people like thanking you for, okay, well, that's good. I'm not on on TikTok. (laughs) You are, you have an account. I I do. I told you to get on TikTok. I don't have an account. You do. I'm going to say this right now. If you're on TikTok and you have a problem with Meg, or any of my other partners here about feeding your dogs for food, you can go ahead and suck a dick. And my, my address is 110 Old Gilroy. Here we go. And yeah, you can go ahead and find me and we can have this consultation together. And yeah, you will lose 
hundred percent. Yeah, I got Mike so. Jones on my side yeah. now. So yeah, Who? You have a problem with that? Oh, go suck a dick. Let's go ahead and continue this podcast. Well, that's gonna go viral. Yeah, but that's the thing it. too. Is like we're so involved in this like social media cancel culture bullshit. Oh yeah. In reality, like no one would fucking say shit to any of us. No, and also. Owner, like, I just say what I say to owners. Well, I mean, think about this way. Think about the mental damage that does to you, right? Like, like think about, like, how that carries on to your... Like, we it's talk bandwidth. About, well, I mean, think about this way. Like, we talk about, right, you know, when, when people walk, look at, like, dog trainers, right? Like, oh, they burn out a lot. They do this, right? Like, but the, why are we burning out a lot? Because not only are we absorbing shit from the fucking handlers, but we're absorbing shit from social media. We're absorbing shit from the workload. We're absorbing shit from being a business owner. Mm-hmm. There's, we're getting hit on everything. And it's not even that, like, you know, even in training, we're training, like, you know, spots like frauds, you know, like we're, we're dealing with a bunch of different things and people are opinionated about shit they know nothing about, but then that, but they're contracting things. Yeah. And they, and, and people like, you know, you guys, us, you know, no one deserves that. Oh. But people who are opinionated and we live in a culture where they can't get punched in the fucking face anymore. Man, you know? I get two kinds of people. I get the fight me fat fucks <laughs> that have all the time. Fight me. I don't know why. I got I consistently got this fight me shit. And then I get I was speaking um, to you guys as you know the members that came in today. I am so hated in the self defense community. No. By the coaches. You know why? Because I'm just honest. And here's the thing. My industry is plagued with a lot of fraudulent fucks. The only people who are going to critique you are the people who are doing less than you. Mm -hmm. And all the time. And here's the thing. Like, Mike knows. I mean, of course, in the first time you tell me, anytime you see two alphas, we're all like, we we test each other. Like, we look at each other. It's just natural. But... All, in my industry, all these guys, for some reason, they get some certification in a black belt, and they call themselves coaches. None of them have been in an industry where they did self-protection for other people, like bodyguarding. None of them been in the military. None of them been in combat sports. None of them been in legit street fights or worked or that. It's like, oh, I was a bouncer. Good job. You've been throwing drunk people out. Wow. <laughs> Like, that is the most hardest job on earth, just to deal with drunk people. And you now you're going to teach the 50-year-old how she's going to defend herself from this six-foot-six guy. And I'm just honest. I, I was just speaking to them. I had this engagement that they invited me, and they said, oh, we got all these retirees. And I said, what are the ages? What, what is the demographic? And she said, you know, from the age of 60 to 80. So I said, okay, I'm going to go and give an education class. I don't think she understood the word education. She literally thought, I'm coming in, I'm going to do, you know, punches and kicks. So I walk in and, and, and they rented this whole area. And I'm literally looking at all these ladies. I'm like, one of them literally flat out told me, she's 80 years old. If I pull the cane from her, she's going to fall. Now, what am I going to teach her? <laughs> How to defend herself? How? So I came in and all I did is I spent time in talking about awareness it's just like some of the stuff we were doing today just assisting and get the fuck out the lady that hired me didn't want to pay me she said you came in and just spoke for an hour and shared stories i was like shared stories of what shared stories of what violence looked like and as she's arguing with me i ain't the lady's like can you come here i was like can you tell her what you told me she's like what about if i took the cane from me what's gonna happen i'll fall so i stared at her i was like do you want me to show her how to kick 
because I don't know whose ass he's going to kick. And suddenly she just cut me to check and wanted me to get out because I was just starting to start making her look like an idiot. But the point is, is what I'm getting back to is that a lot of people in that industry all have egos and badasses. My success is I've been trained with a lot of people and I learn and I listen and I watch. I'm not coming in like when, you know, when he had, you know, he told me he's a Leo and girls coming. I was like, I have no problem. I'll show up as long as nobody's going to start, you know, dick measuring. And it's very common in martial arts. I just see it, but it's like, hey, man, what's up? And then I see some stuff. And I was like, man, I never knew that before. How did you do that? How? Because you're always evolving. These guys will slap black belts on them that I don't know where they got it from. And they think they're teachers. No, you're just a guy with a black belt. You're not a teacher. You're not a coach. Because I've been doing, I'm not bragging. I'm, I'm this October. I've been doing this for 22 years. And I've seen crazy stuff. Things that they tell people to do. Like they think that you teach somebody self-defense, you're gonna fight an MMA fighter. No, you're not. That's a trained fighter. He will beat you unconscious. <laughs> now, if you pull a gun and a knife on him, maybe he doesn't know what to do. And that's literally the plague I got on my social media. Just to get, it's just, it's all that. But hey, it's better than to fight me. <laughs> I get the angry dog mommies. Very, very different audience we have. <laughs> <laughs> They're very angry, They're though. They're scary. They're very They're angry. Scary. That's when you just send location. Come find me. Come here. <laughs> Let's talk. I don't. By I don't have the muscle to back that up, though. That's fine. I'll show you the punch. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, usually we were you're here for the fight, so we're good. Hey, I I took a bite. My said, ego. Let's not even. Like, <laughs> so I won't even let her downplay this. She took a bite from Felix. Oh. Yeah, first bite. And I made her take it on the leg she didn't have the wrapping on. Well, the dog chose that. No, I I put you in a place for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. All right, we've been talking for a while. Mm -hmm. Let's wrap this up with, Mike, give us, like, the one piece of advice that you would give to either, like, new business owners, new dog trainers, somebody really, you know, trying to get their footing in this industry. What's, you know, what's something that you would tell them? Oh, shit. I want to sound, I want this to come out in a very art, artistic way, I guess it would be. Okay. You know, as far as, but I'm going to, it's going to come out in a very autistic way. <laughs> <laughs> in, in reality, I mean, here's the thing. If you look at dog training and all the dog trainers that are out there, if you look at the ones that are doing it like right now, it's it, it seems to be very fascinating. It's very fun in the first few years. You're making a bunch of money thinking that you're doing what you're doing is like fun. Like it's all great and gravy, right? But in reality, you have to you'll have to endure. You'll have to deal with like the fun stops. And anything that you do, like I said before, I made the analogy. If you like filet mignon, wagyu steak, fucking whatever you like, chicken nuggets, whatever it may be, you eat it every day, and eventually it's going to become normal. And then it's not really fulfilling anymore. If you want to be a dog trainer, you have to understand that, like, it's going to, it's, 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 just take it, just take it. It's every single day. That's what's going to be. You can scale it where you need to be at, but at the end of every day, even if you have other employees, even if you have all this stuff that's going on, you're still going to have to be the business owner. You're still going to have to deal with everything. You're still going to have to scale. You're still going to be there. It's going to be that. There's no easy way out. 
you can go ahead and say like, oh, I'm gonna go ahead and take two days off and do this. But what happens in those two days when people fuck up? You're still there. You still have to be there. Accept it. Stop mentally saying, I'm gonna have these days off. In reality, understand, I took this responsibility. This is my investment to it. I'm taking that, have a strong why. I mean, the only reason why I can do what I think I do is because I know I have my two amazing fucking women upstairs right now who are, my baby's on her iPad and my, my wife's on her fucking back. And I know that they're having a great, you know, they're, they're fine. And I have my people in front of me and I have this. The only reason why I can do what I can do is because I know I have my strong why. And I can do that. Invest in your strong why. Understand that this is not something that you're going to scale. Like, don't listen to all the bullshit on the fucking line where, like, oh, doctors are horrible at marketing. And, like, you know, you, you don't have to work every single day and you can scale this shit. Those are the motherfuckers that get dogs killed. And that's why your their business fucking fails. If you're investing into what you're doing, you love what you're doing with the dogs. You can train dogs. You can do that stuff. Set your own schedule. Don't be a fucking, you know, dipshit. You know, That's a t-shirt. Don't, <laughs> don't be, be a dipshit. Dip <laughs> I'd buy that. Don't be a dipshit. Like you know, like you know, you know. Set your own schedule. If you you know you can manage five clients, manage five clients. If you know you can do one board and train, do one board and train. Scale it the way you need to scale it the way for your personal benefit. But don't try to shortcut it by you know doing all this other fucking shortcut shit that people do because that's what's happening, and I see this all the time. Because everyone's looking like, oh, I can do this for three months. I'm like, I'm fine. Like, no, fuck you, dude. Like, I've been doing this for fucking 20 years. I'm still here. Like, you know, we're, we're still doing this. I'm still working, dogs. Understand it. Understand, like, this is what life that you're, 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 you, you chose. And if you don't like this life, you don't want to be here, don't fucking be here. Go fucking do a nine to five. You want a weekend? Go work at fucking Best Buy. Go do whatever the fuck you want to do. If you want some shit out of your life, don't be yeah. a fucking bitch. Bet running your and just being an entrepreneur in general, man, it requires a lot. I mean, it, it's 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 the the dulled up facade of what an entrepreneur is. Yes. If you look at fucking most of like Instagram, everyone's always saying like, "Oh, how can you be the millionaire in three months and like fucking like this like with like all autopilot autopilot right?" You guys all see that shit, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the entrepreneur bullshit. In reality, the real life of it is it's not that. It's every single fucking day going, getting up and doing the shit that we got to do. I mean, you can get it all that, you know, all the other bullshit. But, like, in reality, like, those motherfuckers still up working. There, there, there is a facade of... Because, you know, being an entrepreneur is like the new being a rapper. You know, it's the being fucking someone else famous. It's the, you know, it's being an influencer. You know, it's all like facade shit. Yeah. And then I'm over here being like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Katie, you got some advice for us? That's a tough act to follow, but I I will say this, piggybacking right off of what Mike said about entrepreneurship, learn what that actually is. Learn what is entailed in entrepreneurship. So I said, you know, we've talked about this on Drinks and Dogs numerous times. Young dog trainers are out there and they are spending every last penny on going to the next dog training seminar to get the next certificate. Meanwhile, they haven't even read a book on being an entrepreneur, not a dog trainer, 
a person who owns and runs a business because that is an entirely different skill set. It is an entirely different field of knowledge that is not getting respected. And the thing about it is if you don't respect what entrepreneurship is, it will bend you over sooner or later. So how about instead of going to your seventh dog training seminar, I mean, you got into the business because you were competent in the first place, right? How about you take some time and actually invest in finding proper mentorship, proper guidance from other business owners so you can learn what running a business is? Well, this is what we were talking about earlier, you yeah. know? Like so learn what entrepreneurship is. Yeah, the difference between, you know, the skill and, you know, running a business of that skill are two very, very different things. Yeah, vastly. Yeah. In all aspects of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can be a very skilled person and a horrible business owner. Yes. And it's, I mean, they mean frauds. I mean, in your industry as well. I mean, like, oh my we, God. We see this a lot in dog training because I can't tell you how many talented dog trainers I know who are shit business owners. Okay. I like work for a marketing agency and we do marketing for literally like the world champs of like IGP and all of these sport people. Like, literally world champs and they need help marketing their business <laughs> i know exactly who you're talking about do you too. yeah okay it starts with an eye <laughs> i've been wondering who did his stuff because i knew trouble. he wasn't doing it <laughs> but like it's it's uh it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh this is how you uh, <laughs> That was good. That was good. Oh that one came out of nowhere. I appreciate that. Because <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. But anyways. On that note. Yeah. <laughs> an extremely skilled person, you know, still struggles with the entrepreneurial side of things, the business side of things. So I think that's huge. You know, it's one thing to be a dog trainer. It's another thing to have a successful dog training business. That's my contribution. He's uh, going to say something spicy. He's trying. <laughs> go back Wait, cut him off. Cut his mic off. <laughs> it's uh, very hot. <laughs> All right. On that note, I think we should uh, wrap yep, this up. Yep. <laughs> so, again... Thank you all for being here. This was a great conversation. We went Ooh, on forever. A good time. We went on forever. Yeah, um, I will put <laughs> where the people can find you in the show notes of this episode. Mike, you, you want to add something else? You're you're pulling the mic up to your face. He's, he's, he's cut off. He's cut yeah, off. Okay. <laughs> <Cut me> off. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much for being here and thank joining you. Thank me. Thank you. I appreciate thank it. you. Uh, if you're listening, thank you for listening. Our audience. Can we get some claps? I know y'all are tired. Still here. <laughs> yeah, man, I can't believe you sat here and listened to us. This is pretty fun. This is a Sunday in California. What time is it right now? I don't even know. 9.30? 9.30 oh, on a Sunday, and we have a crowd here. Yeah. This is pretty fucking amazing. This so is thank amazing. You, we don't fuck around. This is truly amazing. This Mike awesome. threatened them all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might have threatened them all. They had I to just stay. <laughs> Screw all that kumbaya you said you shit. better sit here and listen to this. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank, thank you, guys. you so much. Thank you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>